Molueni qua e Wamkele Kile qui elite rugby vente. Gamelam Alex qua e Disa Kuva am Gumam Keli wa Akonam Flange. Sibutlungo Kakul ukuva nam Flange ukuva utakaunda ntunja ububile. Utakaunda waem somi yombotro womzanzi. Lala ngotrolo takaunda ntunja. Good evening everyone, welcome to Lead Rugby Banter. My name is Alex and I'll be your host today. We're very sad at Lead Rugby Banter to hear about the death of Kaunda Tunja. Uh, Kaunda was a legend of South African rugby and we hope that he will rest in peace and we send best wishes to his family. I'm joined this evening by uh, quite a group of banterers. We've got Ant, how are you doing Ant? I'm very good, thanks. Yourself, Alex? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Just a bit uh, flustered um, uh, for a number of reasons. But as you guys know, I was trying to finish dinner just before we started the pod. Uh, so just got a few balls up in the air. Uh, but welcome, Ant. Then we've got Phil. How are you doing, Phil? I'm all right, thanks. I'm a little bit disappointed. The main reason I came on was to hear about uh, Ben smoking uh, I, from the weekend. I have not had an update of, of Ben smoking. Yeah. So, so that's why I came. No, it makes me feel- yeah, it makes me think it went badly. Because <laughs> he, he would have bragged if it went well. Yeah, he right? would have told us how amazing it was. For yeah, sure. exactly. So um, we'll get the listeners an update. In fact, I'll message him now and get an update. Mid, we can have a mid-episode break to hear about Ben's smoke. Um, Matt, how are you? Not too bad. Speaking oh. of smoking, Matt, Matt, you, Matt, you were the top scorer in the league this week, weren't you? Yes. I don't know where. When's the last? When's the last time that's happened? Well, not even just like, top. Not even just like top scorer though. He got. Like, he got. It was over six hundred. The top yeah. scorer of the whole. Like, like uh, highest high score we've seen out of what? Eight weeks? Seven weeks? Yeah. He just smoked it. Six like weeks. Yeah. Six weeks. Much, yeah. Better, better smoke than than Ben's. But yeah, no, I seem to pull it off like once a season. Mm. Like, my draft stuff as well. I managed it a couple of times. Like a broken clock. Look, it's better than. I'd rather do that. I'd rather shoot the lights out one episode, well, like one, one week, one week, and then be crap, like bottom, bottom few the last the rest of the week. Then just be middle the whole time. Yeah, you, know, you can be like, like me. Be and speaking, so speaking of mediocrity. Is Adam still here? I think Natalie came and gave him the baby monitor again. <laughs> Adam, are you with us? I think that's why he left. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe he might have gone off in a sock. Um, Adam's season uh, peaked in week three, I believe. Um, he's been going downhill since then. You, my favorite is actually looking at the, the, graph, the graph that, that Phil's put. And Adam, yeah, Adam's yeah. has got this like, it's like a roller coaster. It's like a little one, two, three climb, and then it just plummets. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, gents, we're here to discuss uh, rugby. Um, yeah, as I mentioned at the beginning, very sad news today with Kaunda Tunja's passing. Um, you know, I I was saying to someone today on Twitter, um, it feels really a bit surreal in a way because he was quite young. He was only 38. Um, but it, it feels like he was part of this kind of generation of South African rugby that I feel like we we began last year or the year before with Rassi. Um, you know, like the Rassi, Erasmus, Siakulisi, Kaunda generation. Um, and in many ways, like the prominence of Isis Plosa commentary was rising 
together with you know the transformation in, in the South African rugby scene overall. Um, and it, it really felt like those two things were linked. And he was quite a major part of that. So um, it's quite hectic. Um, I was really sad about it. I never met him, by the way. Like I don't even know him personally, but for some reason, it just like felt really yeah. personal. Yeah, I mean, so quite tragic. I think for me, it's yeah, it's, it feels bizarre because I mean, I didn't even ever listen listen to his commentary just because you know I didn't understand. I've seen bits and pieces because it's so yeah. like passionate and like you just want to hear the pieces. But I haven't yeah. even listened to like a whole match of it. Still hit me so much because like you say, he's he's made such an impact in just these last few years so yeah yeah it's, it's, I mean, it's, such a it's shock. iconic like that's the thing like you'll watch the whole game in english um and then you know run to twitter to see like with <laughs> with my pimpies try the world cup yeah. um and with khaleesi's first cap as, as springbok captain i yeah. i know but i don't want to speak for you guys but for me like i went straight to twitter because i wanted to see the clip of kawunda and the plaza commentary team you know shouting for those moments and like that became a like a, a viral trend of like what of the Tulsa commentators produced this week. Didn't um, he also give us yeah. the the what was uh, the spicy nachi? Yeah, I, think I, so. I, I don't know if he can like personally <laughs> take credit for it um, because I think those those nicknames is a long list of nicknames. Yeah, for it, like a lot of the South players, but, yeah, but I think he he popularized it. Yeah, yeah we can say popularized. That and the weekend, the weekend special yeah. as well. Weekend special, Apelele yeah. Fasi. Yeah. yeah. So it's just yeah, it's really tragic. But I mean, I think he he did like his body of work speaks for itself, and I think his legacy is one that's going to be upheld. Um, I think Plaza commentary has become more and more mainstream, and I think that's going to continue. It's just a shame that he's not here to be part of it. Yeah. Um, okay, moving on to slightly less um depressing news uh what have we got matt sorry I, I, which, which one do you want to start with you want to you start with it. super rugby being dead no you want to keep no, that no, for no, later I'm, uh, no, I'm, I'm feeling a bit too morbid to have that okay then how about this one um big i told you so for jake white as he acknowledges that he <laughs> yeah. should maybe look at hiring him hiring a fly half for the bulls yeah that's perfect that's lifting my spirits that's great um <laughs> <laughs> so Jake White, what, two months, three months after, after telling Money LeBoc that he wasn't necessarily in the like in Jake White's plans to be the the starting fly half for the Bulls, which pre- precipitated in, in LeBoc leaving to the Sharks. Jake White uh, admitted that he may need a fly half after all. Um, which is, I think... yeah. So I mean, who is options? I don't know. Well, he's only been nailing old guys. So... I'm assuming he's going to draft some, <laughs> some fucking relic of the past from no, no, the Who Northern thinks, Hemisphere. Yeah. Who thinks Willem Duval? <laughs> I don't know. Bromfen <laughs> Stratton's been, been coaching, I think, at the Southern Kings. So he might be keeping mildly yeah. fit enough for Jake White. Well, yeah. Carlos Spencer was released by the fans. <laughs> oh, oh, there's a coach. <laughs> as a coach. And then he turned out for his club. So he's back in the pool. Yeah. So he's technically fit. I mean, he's match fit to an extent. Yeah. So, he's so, really so, far too much of a freak spirit to fit into the Jaguar. <laughs> yeah, that would be a clash of styles. <laughs> <laughs> so they still have Mornay staying on the books, right? So, I assume so. They've got the. They've got the. Uh, Stairs get a year in the contract. Yeah, and then they got that. Chris Smith. You both correspondences, so I just thought I'd pop in. 
So, so yeah, we spoke about pools and Adam appeared. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there were stories. Yeah. Like mm. he apparently they wanted to sign Damien Valimsa, but even then it was like maybe he's going to play at fullback. So. Yeah. But I think they've like they've kind of like they've cashed a lot of checks in already to get the players they've got. You think so? I can't, can't imagine they've got big bucks to spend on someone like Valimsa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God, I don't know. Everyone. I mean. He was pretty good for the Sunwolves. Yeah, Yeah, there are worse ideas. I'm not saying saying it's a ridiculous idea, but it's not the most ridiculous idea. Other than that, we can go to the MLR. I wouldn't mind seeing him turn out there. (laughs) But but Derek said he'd wait six months for a flyoff. I think he made you pretty much already. That suggests that he's got someone in mind that he knows is coming off contract. Yeah. Who would it be? Or just one step. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> six months. That's all Monestan's got in him. <laughs> yeah. Guys, we've we've seen how it goes. He says that now, and then six months' time, when Monestan's like fourth on the point scorers log for the pro eighteen or whatever the fuck, he's going to be like, "Well, Monestan's playing great rugby. Why would we want another fly half?" Or this is just an excuse which you can point to when things don't work in like yeah. five months. We waited six months. Nothing happened. We're sticking with Monestan. <laughs> we, we can't believe another fly off didn't show up at our door. Yeah, we'd, but some fly off. But Lebok is in. He's like the perfect guy to bring them forward. Like learn from what he's saying, take forward, and he did them. It like makes no sense. I don't know if Ansel, but Lebok started training with the Sharks today. He had his first day training with the yeah, Sharks. Yeah, I didn't see that. Serendipitously. <laughs> That uh, you navigated that that word almost as clumsily as Jake White's navigated the, the, yeah, no, the look, player market. I, I may have <laughs> I may have climbed into one or two of our official sponsors. Oh yeah, you having a few tougher loggers. One or two, one or two. That's great. Just responsibly. I'm, I'm about to go get one. Is that a segue uh, to the put the tuffle? I think it's you know what guys. I think this might be a good time for us to put your cards in the tuffle. There we go. Uh, tonight's tonight's big topic. Um, South Africa, unofficially, but all but confirmed, has been kicked out of the uh, Sanzar sort of relationship. It was always a bit of a messy one. It was like a really messy four-way at the end of a long night at uh, insert insert your bar of choice from where you come. Uh, <laughs> lizards. Lizards. Oh, yeah. I've never had a tidy night at lizards. Every night at lizards was a messy one. Oh, God. Uh, what did you <laughs> I will, I'll leave you to this. I will listen to this later. It was next to Wada, yeah. Next to Wada. Yeah. <laughs> who, did, who did we see in Wada the one time? It was apparently Brayton Pulsar. In the <laughs> Brayton Pulsar. In the How do you know this Brayton uh, Pulsar? Did he do a backflip or what? <laughs> anyway. I don't um, know. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's it's been no secret that I think australia have kind of wanted us wanted us out of super rugby for a long time um but the new zealand the kiwis kind of backed us up and said no no, no we, we want to keep the south african teams that's kind of how it's been reported on in previous years um there were two parts to that the one was they apparently respected our teams and they wanted to be able to play against our teams to keep themselves sharp which i think is okay you know let's shelve that so that's point one Point two was financial. Um, for many years, South Africa's numbers have bolstered the viewing figures for Super Rugby as a whole and for Tri-Nations and then um, Rugby Championship. So financially, we were kind of uh, the golden goose. But in the last 
five years, I would say, and then more, uh, you know, expeditiously over the last six months, that's no longer really become true. So with point one, our teams, I think it's fair to say, have become worse and worse. Yeah. Um, our top teams have are, are always going to be good, you know. So this year, the Sharks topping the log, of course. There was a three-year run with the the Lions made back to back to back finals, um, and prior to that, the Stormers were, you know, re- regularly topping the conference for whatever that's worth. And then obviously we have the Bulls dominance in the the late uh, zeros and early tens. But, you know, when the Kings were in it, they were just fodder. Uh, the Cheetahs were relatively, you know foddery and the lions at their pits and the bulls at their pits have also been fodder so you know overall we don't offer too much of a challenge in terms of having four to five teams it's it's not huge value financially with covid particularly but also just generally dwindling numbers i think like now that they've had the success of aotearoa they've i think seen the light that they don't necessarily need us to have good viewership figures um yeah one thing what do you think, Matt? On the viewership I'm going to go figures. get a tough while you put your, your cards on the tafel. Well, I'm just saying now with the viewership, I'm just a little nervous because they, they I hope they're not basing it on the success of Aotearoa alone because it's... No competition. Um, it, there's zero competition. It's got all the viewership because what the fuck else are we supposed to watch at 5 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday? I mean, <laughs> yeah, unless you break the it's not... I mean, uh, I'd love to know what the international market figures are like for mm. the between the two. Yeah, no one's published that. I was very, I was very interested yeah. to know, like on that uh, first, because I mean, over there with the first live sport to go back, I would have loved to have seen what the global, yeah. like, yeah. reaction. Were there Americans that have never heard of rugby being like, look, this is live sport. I'm going to tune in. I wonder. Well, I mean, it'd be very cool if it, the Americans are stuffed for sport. They even started watching Asian baseball because there's <laughs> like ESPN scrambled that, and like bought like Indonesian it, it, and Korean and all their baseball like that's crazy. broadcasting rights because they were just like well fuck we need to put something live on TV and yeah exactly and it's hard for us because obviously we're gonna watch the New Zealand stuff like we're like really into rugby but for more sort of casual fans how many people are actually gonna wake up in the morning when maybe it's not an ideal time to watch I so re- these could be inflated figures i think the saturday nine o'clock one is actually an ideal time for like the sa market because it's not too early like I, I think most adults don't sleep past nine anymore so like you get up you make your cup of coffee and you sit down you watch it and then start your day it's not a bad one it's at five o'clock one. that, that spot is beautiful but yeah, I yeah I hope that they've got more data than just oh shit the last six weeks has been fantastic on our own we can most probably sustain a tournament like this. Yeah, I, it I, I don't know I still like even with all the news articles that have come I don't know what the sort of best route for South Africa is um, like uh, a Pro fourteen scenario means that you're sort of a conference within another tournament and i mean people don't new zealand said they haven't ruled out sort of like a final series so if you had like just the curry cup and then like the top two or the top three teams from the Mm -hmm. curry cup going and playing a final series against you know like the crusaders and the hurricanes and maybe even the top two 
that could still work, although it's been like sort of frowned upon by most of the media, that sort of like final series. But it's something people have to explore now. Like things are changing. You have to adapt and you have to figure out what's going to be best going forward. Yeah, I, I still think reviving the Curry Cup and yeah, the final series is probably for SA Rugby the best idea. And keep us up. Because mm. yeah, going north... I still don't like the idea of going north because yeah. it's just yeah, I mean, soggy. We're just going to showcase the guys a lot easier to get sold off there. Like they, yeah. the, the minute, the, like the Northern Hemisphere is very lazy. So if we bring our players there and show them our players, they can, they're might, way more likely to buy them. I mean, if you look how many Cheetahs guys ended up playing in yeah. the Pro 14 teams, literally just because they're like, oh shit, Okay, cool. These guys exist. Yeah, I, I think people see it way too much as like a, an easy way out, like just to go north. It's not going to solve problems. They've even spoken about replacing the Cheetahs and the Kings. Like that's yeah, a that's huge problem in South African rugby. Yeah. You're going to come against so much political resistance if you try and kick mm. the Kings out. Because it has to like, be a pro it's not. Otherwise it's, it's, yeah. And, and already what? there's like the new... Like, papers in England and the UK are saying like actually this is probably not a good idea and if we do it it's like four teams maximum so yeah so. But it's also like this assumption that if we want to go north we can like yeah, it's always sure people have spoken about it for years like oh, why, why don't we just go north and it's like who says they even fucking want us haven't they already invited us to a pro 18 well no I think the yeah. pro 16 has been put on the table so that means that the kings and the cheaters have to get cut or Someone has to get. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're only willing to accept four teams, I think, was the proposal. Which is, I mean, if you look at the composition, hmm. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Like at 18, 18 teams is a lot. 18 teams is. But more, they, we've seen what that looks like. Though. I mean, yeah. But then go, going going beyond that, we don't know if that allows the South African teams to then qualify for the Heineken or the European Cup or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah. So, so I mean. I, I think there would be a big push back from like the Irish and the Welsh and the Scottish teams because they don't want to lose their places in the Heineken Cup. Yeah. But mm. obviously, What's the without that pull, then it's like, okay, you're only going to play against. And I mean, some teams like Leinster and Munster, they quite often they play like their weak teams in the Pro 14 because they focus so much on the Heineken Cup because they can. And like yeah. that's the main focus. So it's a very slippery slope and a dangerous road to take. For sure. Yeah. But I mean, so I, I think if I was Saru, I would. I know what I would want, but it, it's gonna it's gonna sound a bit of a dick move. <laughs> so I would. Sorry. So, yeah, but I, I also don't know if it would take. Um, but my proposal would be kick Italy out of the Six Nations. Yeah. Replace them with yep, us. Right. Kick, mm. kick Italy. Kick Italy out of Pro 14, Treviso and Benetton, and let us make up the difference. Um, and then we could go to four, uh, Pro 16 by adding four South African teams and not losing the Kings and the Cheetahs. Good work. I'd still rather us play rugby championship. Yeah, fair. but that's what <laughs> but everyone I don't seems know, to think. I think that make a club move more north, but like I, I don't think I don't think we can. Like it's. But that's I what everyone going, everyone is saying. Yeah. Like, first of all, there's not going to be a rugby championship. Argentina's out. 
right? Like Argentina have pretty much cashed in well, their chips. Like all their players have left Super Rugby. They've left the Higuaras. But but they say they want to leave the Rugby Championship, but obviously not have uh, Higuaras and South African teams in Super Rugby. Yeah, but I, I just don't see that the calendars will add up. Mm, okay. So I mean, already, already we struggle a little bit to get some of like the the Northern Hemisphere based players for rugby championship, don't we? Yeah. yeah. No, that's so, fair. So I I just don't see and like for a lot of players that would be part of the deal for for them as well, like because it's a big ask if you look at the calendar. Um, I mean, pro the pro fourteen currently runs from September to May, so that leaves June, July, August as like an international window. When we normally have the um, like the outbound tours, or yeah. the inbound tour rather, not the yeah the inbound tour. So, if we were to try and get, um, you know, super uh, not super rugby, rugby championship on top of that, um, I just don't see it working, uh, and I don't think that we necessarily have the uh, leverage to try and get that. You know, we can't get them to change the calendar if we're the mm. new kids at the table. But I, I do think that we would be able to make a compelling uh, financial and qualitative case for South Africa to basically just muscle out Italy <laughs> and, and just take the. And this is why I say it sounds thick because if I'm Italian and I'm listening to this, I'm uh, yeah. As as a fan yeah. of Georgian like, rugby, I'm also fuming. <laughs> no, no, sure. Like it, it's it's super unfair. Like it would be so unfair. <laughs> Although, if you're Georgian on the other side, it's like, well, Italy deserved this because we've been better than they don't deserve yeah, to like be. Georgia's just <laughs> so like, yeah, fine, <laughs> fucking kick him out. Let them play against <laughs> us I mean, and see how they like it. Yeah. But the thing is, it puts them like one step even further behind where they were already, right? Because like yeah. now they'd have to like expand to the, the eight nations if they would have a chance. And like, even if there was promotion or relegation, they wouldn't get in. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just, yeah. So, like, I, it's. But the, but the thing is, it's, I feel like we're at that point. Like it's a cutthroat world now, mm-hmm. rugby, rugby-wise. Like everyone has to fend for themselves. Um, Australia's finding that out with the fact that New Zealand's wanting to kick them to the curb. Yeah, we not. Two teams. Yeah, like we haven't mentioned that. Us mm. getting cut out. Australia's also been like, yeah, where New Zealand's like, yeah, we'll take two of your teams. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I saw from Australia today was um, they said they want to approach Japan and do their own thing without New Zealand now that New Zealand have released what they have. So it's almost like, yeah. let's go out of the way and let's try to get other people and do our own thing yeah. without New Zealand. Yeah. Whereas yeah. obviously if you're in Japan, like, well, really? <laughs> Australia? I, I mean, it's it's tough to know whether Japan would prefer, because we, we would prefer New Zealand, right? Because we see them as like, competition we can hone our skills against the best in the world yeah does J- does japan really see value in that because like their teams aren't really even good enough mm. for games against the crusaders to be valuable to them yeah sure. i think japan... so it might be more valuable for them to play against australian teams like it might be worth having a, a little heineken cup type thing where the top teams from the nrc and the japanese top league then face off in like a an eight team competition um and they would actually be relatively well matched, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, an Australian team would probably still win. But like, why? Like, we we know like with our rugby culture and our rugby history, the value of New Zealand. But Japan see rugby very differently. Like, they see it as a a business first and foremost. And in terms of finance, like a union rugby union is obviously very small in Australia, but Australia's still got a bigger population. Yeah. So more people to watch. 
And in terms of like development and growth, I think that they'd benefit more from playing Australian teams than they would from New Zealand teams. So I don't know. Maybe it's just a matter of perspective. Um, but I just, I mean, it's it, the, the way the Australian media have been talking about it does leave a very bad taste in my mouth. Um, like they're just so fucking full of themselves. They're like bloviate yeah. about how, you know, New Zealand need us more than we need them. No, they fucking don't. <laughs> like since when? Like, like unions, like the 12th most popular sport in Australia or something. Yeah. Like when was the last time we, like Australian super rugby teams saw a greater than 50% win rate against New Zealand teams? Um, you know, bearing in mind that it actually might have been quite recently. I just don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. But you know no, what I mean? And like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be a hater because I feel like South Africa's in the same boat. Like we, we, we're both, like us and Australia have fallen so far off the pace of New Zealand to, in terms of quality of product. Like, and that's why like when, you know, we, I feel like are accepting our rejection from New Zealand much with a little bit more grace than Australia. Cause I feel like in the back of our minds, we like kind of deserve it. Like we know we kind of deserve it, but like we have been a little bit. accusing Australia of having grace. Yes, very much so. <laughs> like a national, like a national pastime. Oh, anyway, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I if, like I must say, the the best thing that could come out of this would be if we could join the Six Nations at this point. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't want it. But it, like that is yeah, the most, that, that is the most silver lining that we're gonna get. I don't know. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, like, even in that sort of bad case scenario, it's not like South Africa are never going to play New Zealand again. And when South Africa do play New Zealand again, it's going to be that much more intense because you don't you don't play twice a year or whatever they three yeah. times a year or whatever they've been doing for the last conversation. Does that mean that we then start being part of the like northern hemisphere test schedule? Yep. So do we then Australia New Zealand like mm. in June in the out yeah. outer cycle? I mean, if I that happened, yeah. If we join the Six Nations, then yeah, definitely. Like a three-match three, to three match tour or something, or they'll yeah. come to us. Dude, and, a three-match tour, South Africa versus New Zealand. Like, I, I can't <laughs> imagine anything more exciting, honestly. And, and like, I mean, the, the, the biggest uh, actually, like, roadblock then... Yeah, the biggest roadblock then is, like, trying to figure out how you play rugby in December when that's, like, the peak season. Well, yeah. Whereas if you're playing rugby in December in Bloemfontein, it's, like, 45 degrees. Mm. Yeah. But I'm sure they can yeah, figure with, something out. With, like, <laughs> you can play it like. This is more your tours, like at least from South Africa going up. Remember, you play like one of each nation, so it will be difficult to play South Africa, not in France or something. They'd have yeah. to be a bit of a mix around tours. that. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it could maybe add a stretch. Yeah, it could, at a stretch, it could be like South Africa, Argentina. Mm. That, I mean, that's not much easier than just going up to. In fact, it's pretty harder. You'd rather do South yeah. Africa, Scotland, Wales. In South Africa, Argentina, USA, yeah. for example. Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's like, there's so many variables to all of this, but, I, yeah, I would, I would make that pitch if I was sorry. I'd say, look, what, like, what does Italy bring that we don't? Mm. Um, like, let us in, and then we'll take it from there. I don't know. It's, it is a bit swack. Mm. I must admit, I don't like any of it, but I do hear the <laughs> argument. Um, uh, it's even the other like yeah, it's sad. I don't but like it's, it either. It's it, it's a, it's a, it's a tragedy, but it's one that I think we just need to take on the chin. It sounds like you've put your cards on the tafel, though, Alex. I've got my cards very firmly on the tafel. I've shown my cards on my tafel. Well done. Um, yeah. 
anyway okay. let's see how it unfolds i think you know we, i don't think we need to um cover every corner of the of the story today because this is one that's going to drag on for a while i think um much like the the stormers newland saga um, oh God. do we have anything on that this week <laughs> i don't think so i think wow uh, okay i don't think there's <laughs> been amazing. any new that's news quiet. on that it's just gone like yeah i think it's just gone deceptively quiet now like they're worried about <laughs> this is like the yeah, like the first week where we haven't had news on the storm as Newland Steel. Okay. Well, anyway. Um. Okay. What? Let's what see. else do we have in the news, Matt? Um. I don't know if you want to do that. That now the pro- the World Rugby has proposals that they've sent to the other unions about banning trans women from playing in women's rugby. Oh. If we want uh, to rush through. Read... So. Yeah. Well, it's a it's an interesting debate. It's interesting. So, yeah. So their key issue is their identifier is someone who has gone through male puberty. Mm-hmm. That's what they define. Yeah. So there is, there is actually a there's a line in the sand that's been drawn. Mm. It's not it's yeah. not super vague. The, but that's the problem. It's, so, it's still they, a bit vague. They, but it's they, not they, so the ban sounds vague, but they're using it based on a criteria that's not vague. But do you do you think that rugby should be different from any other sport based on like the because yeah this is also different or? yeah because this is also different yeah. to the other the rest of the rugby or rest of the sport yeah well I mean I I do and I don't like I, I mean I just look, this is this, this is a controversial topic but Matt yeah. do you want to put some mm. cards on the tafel I'm gonna put some cards <laughs> on the tafel Aaron okay. Smith's allowed to play rugby against Paul Skelton okay yeah and I mean that's True just as dangerous but then are you making a case for there to be no male or female rugby and we just have rugby and no no i'm not making that i'm not making that i'm just saying that the idea the idea that they're putting forward that there's such it's such a small percent it's never going to be the majority of rugby players are all of a sudden going to be trans women they are a vast minority and they are talking about percentile what is it article i think talks about like a 20 to 30 percent mm. greater risk so it's yeah the so it's just the risk has increased but that i mean like i say what about aaron smith and will skelton that's mm. the same both of them went through male puberty whereas they've got two examples where only one went through male puberty but i mean all our scrum halves are allowed to play against all our props just fine in the male game and they also say trans men are allowed to play in the main men's league as long as they've gone through some some vaguely they just say mm. some assessment and they sign a consent form yeah. I, I mean as as far as i know i also am not so clued up on this uh subject but the biggest controversies have been sort of a lot in the weightlifting things where yeah trans women have started winning these weightlifting things because they have more testosterone and i don't know if maybe they went through male puberty but like mm. and then a lot of people have been coming out and being like this is unfair they're competing against people who have who are like severely disadvantaged um so i i, I mean i'm not really sure it's uh, it's a very difficult topic it's, for me to even understand yeah, look but, it is a um, horribly difficult topic here to dig into but that's why i just gave the most simplistic analogy i could think of in in the men's league that the the size disparity that they worried about you know the physicality disparity already exists in rugby as it stands yeah look i mean it's i think the only 
caveat to that is that there it's not Will Skelton choosing to go play with under-15s. You know, like yeah. no one would argue that an under-15s is not allowed to go play senior rugby, but people would be very upset if Will Skelton went and played under-15s, which is yeah, the that's... equivalent of the type of argument. You know what I mean? Um, no, but that's not. You know, yeah. Have you not... Uh, putting you... someone else is their suggestion as opposed to putting yourself at risk if you're Aaron Smith. No, but Aaron Smith chooses to play a game if Will Skelton's on. Yeah. He's not going to not play. Yeah, yeah, but the point is, is it's Will Skelton's choosing. As I said, it's the other way around. It's like allowing a Will Skelton. Mm. They are no, but, allowing a Will no, but Skelton. You, no, but you're not calling it under I 15. Don't, I, I don't know if this is a helpful metaphor. Yeah, no. <laughs> to be honest. Because yeah. I, I mean, it does, it does draw. It, I mean, it's an interesting point, Matt, because you've, what you've drawn attention to is like the, because the almost ar- arbitrariness of uh, you know, uh, perceived physical imbalance within the category compared to a, a perceived physical imbalance between two categories um, and whether that's an artificial distinction that needs to be drawn. Um, and it's interesting because I think that there's a very clear case to be made in a sport like weightlifting, where it's it's not, it's not adversarial. Yeah. Um, it's individual feat of strength, similar with, um, you know, most sort of uh, individual sports, I guess, where it's like uh, sprinting, weightlifting, um, even wrestling, which is obviously a contact sport, but you know there, there's like a clear disparity between, and I mean statistically according to, according to this this uh, this article and also some other research that I've seen. If you don't follow Ross Tucker mm. on Twitter, I highly suggest that you give him a follow. He's a sports scientist. He talks a lot about this kind of thing from a very what, seemed, what appears to be um, unbiased perspective. So, you know, World Rugby's noted that there's, you know, you're, um, I'm just going to read from the article, male at birth whose puberty development is influenced by um, androgen slash testosterone are going to be stronger by 25 to 50%, 30% more powerful, 40% heavier, and about 15% faster than players who are assigned female at birth. So, I mean, it just sounds like they're describing the money that dollar to me. But <laughs> when it comes to something like weightlifting, where there's really only one or, you know, there's only really one main criteria, how strong are you? Yeah. Whereas rugby is, you don't have to be strong. You don't even have to be quick. You can be clever. You can be agile. You can be, you know, strategic. You can be fit. And I mean, we've seen players like, you know, in recent history, someone like Conrad Smith, who isn't a world-class athlete, um, excel in a position and do better than someone like um, Jesse Creel, for example, who's like, you know, a, a a, a sublime athlete you know he's extremely quick he's extremely strong like someone like PSP you know PSP was probably the, the quickest strongest most powerful etc man at his peak but was he the best mm, debatable you know someone like Kieran Reed who's got a lot more savvy and a bit more sort of technique might have been a better a better match for him I mean you know you can have that debate across positions like a Will Skelton to an Aaron Smith I think, you know, where it becomes a little bit more complicated is when you take someone like, you know, the equivalent of Will Skelton, but they, they're quick enough to play scrum half. You don't have to be small to be yeah. scrum half. You just be quick and, and you know, think on your feet or whatever. Um, so, like, I, I think it, it, it is complicated. Though. Like, I, I don't really feel comfortable making a, like, a value judgment on it, I guess. But I would say... Um, and I must say, your, your your comparison has got me thinking, Matt. But I would say, generally speaking, my feeling is that trans, 
trans women, so women who have transitioned from being a man post adolescence and puberty to being a woman, ought not to be permitted to participate in women's codes of sport. But also, that's generally in- speaking, incredibly difficult to decide when they transitioned. Yeah, sure. Look, the, the, the technicalities of it, I'm I'm not prepared to. Like, I don't want to do so this as well. Like, I really don't want to delve yeah. into this because when do you say, oh, you transitioned then? Because sure. it's like, when did you decide you were gay? It's, it's like yeah. all of a sudden uh, you're devolving it into a choice. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's quite the same as that. But I mean, mm, but, yeah, look, I mean, according, yeah. to, the, according to the research, it's like just to take an advantage. You know, so you're deliberately getting it at age 15, not 17, just so you can get an advantage to play rugby. I yeah. think that's, I that's, you know, that's a very, very rare people. I almost want to say I don't think that person exists just yet. Yeah, but that's what I think. You know, you've got a date of surgery, and if that's no, but 22 it's or if not it's 12, surgery. it's pretty hard life. But and it's not necessarily mm. surgery. There are things before, yeah. That's the thing. It's not just yeah. surgery. There's well, things. taking your, but, you know, but, the testosterone or whatever, you know what I mean? There will be a point at which transition occurs it's not just oh, i've decided today it's when you act actively changing your body would be the date i would assume i mean i but think I, one I good think thing from world rugby yeah. is that they've just you know they haven't necessarily drawn a line in the sand they've yeah, said we're yeah, still this, doing research and things can yeah, change this so is really, like this is really important yeah, really yeah they they're not they're, they're not just being like yeah. yeah exactly but i think look i mean i again like i you know i feel like we can only have so many caveats um i don't know anything about this uh, i'm not i'm like yeah. a way on the science of it um, but and as Matt says, like there's a lot of variables. But I, I'm my feeling is that if you have gone through what I, I presume the scientists in this case would argue or define as male puberty, yeah. so if you were assigned male at birth and you your puberty and development was influenced by androgens or testosterone, I don't think you should be allowed to play women's sport. I don't think, and I think that's just because of what they're describing, where you have these advantages which are, are significant like a 25 to 50 percent increase in strength 30 percent increase in power 40 percent increase in weight 50 percent fast you know increase in speed i mean that's like sporting cheat codes <laughs> and but i think it's really important for me to, to to be clear here like i'm not i have zero um problem or objection or you know even opinion really on people being transgender in the first place um, in fact, I think it's great that our society is getting to a point where we can recognize people who are transgender. Um, but I don't think that be, that part of that bundle of acknowledgement necessarily needs to include allowing them to compete against people, women who are assigned female at birth, etc., whose puberty development didn't get influenced by androgens, testosterone, particularly in sports, sporting codes that are predominantly physical. And I, I know it's a controversial statement and I'm prepared to be proven wrong or to be convinced otherwise, but my feeling at the moment, just from the hip, I guess, is that your right to be a woman, to, trans, to transition or to be um, to be recognized as a woman, even if you were assigned male at birth, is an absolute right. I don't think that that should be compromised, but I don't think it necessarily includes the right to be allowed to play sport. And I think that this corresponds to not just transgender issues. I think that Similarly, Israel Folau is entitled to be a, a raging homophobe, but he's not entitled to play rugby for Australian Rugby Union if they don't want him to. Um, you know, there are, there are various criteria that we use to exclude people from playing sports. 
one of them is doping so that's you know deliberately getting an advantage over people we have a relatively hard line on that although it's not always enforced others are more character driven like israel falau or people who are you know be convicted of crimes although obviously that doesn't apply to Sevier reese um and one of them i think is you know it's not it's not your fault that you were born assigned male it's not your fault that you have this advantage over people but it doesn't change the fact that you do and it's 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 different to someone who's you know in all other respects the same but just bigger and stronger like will skelton i can't i can't necessarily put my finger on how or why it's different uh, which i accept is is a frailty in my argument but you know i, mean, I sorry yeah Aaron? you could no you're welcome to him yeah. no, I, just, I, I agree with your with everything that you're saying and the reason you're setting it out and i think something that's very important to distinguish is it's not saying they can't play sport it's saying they can't play sport in a category where they have a distinct advantage along the lines of what the categories are deliberately trying to separate. Yeah. It would be like the metaphor that I often use in this type of debate is if you have, I mean, using age groups is perfect. The guy that's born in January has a distinct advantage over the guy that's born in December. But, yeah. you know, the fact is that is the line and you have to stick to the line. And it's the same thing. And but it doesn't stop tall people playing against short people as long as you're in the same age group because the age group is what the defining factor is and that's what yeah. people you know people miss the argument when they say like oh phelps has got a better oxygen conversion rate it's like cool that's fine if mm. the swimming categories were over x amount of oxygen process versus under and he competed in the wrong category that would be cheating correct but that's not the distinction the distinction mm. is male versus female which is an arbitrary you know there's a, it's a linear yeah. it's a scale so how you define that is is obviously very gray but the point is they're trying to differentiate out male and female. And so whether that's whether you go through puberty or whether you have X, Y chromosome or whatever it is, someone needs to define a, a line in the sand that you stick to. And that's going to advantage some people that fall just on the one side of the line. It's going to disadvantage other people that fall just on the other side of the line. But yeah. none of that excludes anyone from competing in the open category. There's nothing stopping these you know, transgender people competing in, as, you know, in rugby as males. They just yeah. can't compete against the people that they have this apparently clear advantage over. Yeah. I mean, you say they, yeah. they can compete as males, but I mean, we've seen rugby fans, they'll get run out of the sport by the fans. Yeah, yeah. But that, that's, that's a different, that's a different, different thing. thing. That's a different problem that's, that also needs to be addressed. Yeah. Um, yes. and, I, and like, I don't think we should, um, you know, say to like the, you know, the opposition team, you know, this is the lesser evil. Yeah. You're just going to get shit kicked out of you by by a team of you know uh, transgender women because you know we need to create a safe space for them. But you like that's that's sort of like a transference of victimhood. Um, so yeah. like rather than just accepting that transgender women are going to be victims in a male environment and passing that on to cisgender women, we need to try and address both issues. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Sure. Hmm. But okay, yeah, guys. I think before we start going down like okay, yeah. roots, yeah, let's, <laughs> I think yeah. let's say what you want about JK Rowling, but at least Quidditch was a was a, a non-gendered sport. True. It's true. That's true. It was also uh, a fucking terrible. Sport. Oh no, the worst <laughs> yeah. fucking. Sport. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's not get into all the flaws that Quidditch has. <laughs> I think okay. I think I think we need to move on. I mean, it's 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 a great debate, and actually, um, I regret, in hindsight, only having four cisgender men, yeah. um, <laughs> having the debate. But uh, I think yeah, yeah no. I think 
Let's... I'd be interested to hear from people on Twitter or in the comments or whatever. I don't know how people engage with us if they do. Um, yeah, do we have any probably... listeners? Like... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, keep telling if people have... we do. <laughs> yeah, Tafel, if you're listening, we have we have listeners. Okay, yeah. we got them. Um, but anyway, if, if if you are listening and you have strong feelings about this and you feel like we've gotten it wrong, uh, we certainly open to being told that. So let us know. But okay, um, where I'm not prepared to be told that I'm wrong is. <laughs> On the fact that the Chiefs are fucking terrible at rugby. Oh, are we going to just and start there and go backwards or what? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just coming in hot. I'm, I'm okay. putting this, I'm, I'm putting this card on the tafel straight away. Warren Gatlin is not a good coach. Um, he's certainly not the best coach ever. Do you, do you remember that poll from last month? As a follower. Yeah. Uh, I'm cur- So this is my theory. <laughs> do we have Squidge as a follower? I don't know. You replied to your tweet, surprise. I'm counting uh, that. Yeah. I think that was. I think his finger slipped. Yeah. Let's let's hear Matt's theory. I have a theory. It's here, it's here, I'm, I'm gonna if, go stir my my dinner. You give if us your, you're your shit at coaching Wales, you're good at coaching New Zealand. If you're good at coaching Wales, you're shit at coaching New Zealand. They're two different skill sets that, for some reason, just the Venn diagram of coaching those two nations don't overlap very well. And that's based on a sample size of Hansen and Gatland. <laughs> I mean, and Graham uh, uh, Henry also was a. Pretty unsuccessful Welsh coach, I think. Yeah, I mean, Graham Henry, I think he was slightly better, but still, yeah, I think the point stands. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think you're right, like, there's just the the level of resources is so different. And I think what they try and do is say, like, oh, go to Wales where you'll have limited resources and you'll have to work around it and sort of figure out yourself as a coach and yeah. come back as a better coach. But that doesn't mean that you're going to come back as a coach that's able to then adopt be, to... you know, best in the world. Because you, yeah, I think you that's go something to Wales and you learn you've got these resources and then you develop your style to these resources and nothing else. Yeah, but the, I mean, the key thing is, you know, it's, it's, you know, maybe in Wales you've got greater financial and facility resources, but fewer player resources. I think it's just that, that differentiating. Yeah, fact. for but sure. Think, you know, the, the Welsh Union looks after their players pretty well from a facilities and training perspective. Yeah. Where maybe, but, you know, they just their livestock they've got to work with is a very yeah. different kettle of what you get in yeah hadley park can make well sure i mean hadley parks is like what he failed in new zealand pretty much made the kings at the kings and even 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 guys like uh mcnichol and anscombe like yeah yeah, anscombe had potential but they're still like guys who are struggling and then go and become fully fledged welsh internationals yeah yeah that's the livestock is just different i feel a bit a bit bad for uh for, for Hadley Parks because like he's always the go-to example for like Wales having <laughs> shit players. But I mean, he, everyone's always his, like, his, if Hadley Parks could make it, anyone can make it. <laughs> but his other issue is like his almost like visible lack of appeal. Um, yeah, because it looks like they pulled someone out of a bakery. Because if you, yeah, if you see him once, you'll just be like, what the hell? Why is this guy even a rugby player? Like if you watch him for a while, you can understand maybe his strengths, but he does yeah. just doesn't look like a rugby player. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I mean even with uh, with Gatlin like he has obviously he's lost 5 out of 5 now but they have been pretty close I would definitely not say he's not the best coach in the world but there's also like there are small differences and he's taken a while I think if anything he's shown like his rate of adjustment has been slow rather than him being like a bad coach yeah but I mean let's chat about that because the Chiefs prior to to the break Mm. weren't actually looking bad were they yeah. No, they they it's didn't. Pretty decent. They beat, they beat the Crusaders, yes. didn't they? I think so. But they also 
Brumbies at home. Yeah. Let me look this up quickly. I'm just going to get their results because I'm. I mean, because just while you're getting the results, I think one thing which you probably do put down to the coaching at one point, at some point, is um, their Lustrio. I think it doesn't have the right balance. Like they have Kane and Bushia and Sawakula. Yeah. yeah. And for me, that doesn't feel like a good balance. You see someone like Sam Kane, who's the New Zealand captain, everyone knows he's a really good player. I think his impact is just getting like minimalized and yeah like that's a that's a really good point i mean so like i was okay i i've i've, I've cooled down a bit um after putting my card, <laughs> my, my card on the table um captain's had a lot of really bad luck with injuries um because remember a few weeks ago we, we spoke about how you could make a, a whole starting uh, forward pack out yeah. of the injured players and it kind of hasn't gotten much better because I mean, he's essentially playing with a third-string hooker just because Takiyaho's, like, gone off the boil. He was amazing in Super Rugby, mm, and now in Aotearoa, yeah. he's been really poor. So, Brady Slater, he's he's playing. He's he's actually been fine. Um, I mean, Aiden Ross, they lost in the first minute of this game. Um, <laughs> by, by the way, if it isn't, if it isn't clear, we're talking, we're talking about the second game of the weekend, which is Chiefs versus Highlanders. We're talking about, about <laughs> the third game of the weekend. Fourth game of the weekend, technically. Yeah, fourth yeah. overall game of the weekend. That was... Third? No. Oh, third over. No, fourth, yeah. Fourth. Last one was on Sunday. Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> Sunday morning. Anyway, so we're going backwards. That's fine. Um, <laughs> so they lose Aiden Ross, who's, who's been like a standout, I would say, for them in the, in the forwards, which isn't saying much. Um, they've already lost Natua Akoi. They've lost Aladice. They've lost... Um, they've lost... Uh, Ardron, technically. Uh, Angus Tava. Yeah. They've lost Ardron. They've lost... Um, is Mitchell Brown back? Yeah, he played for them this weekend. I guess like their first choice hooker, whoever he is, Reese Marshall. Reese Marshall. Uh, um, what's but, his face as well? There's another one. Harris. Uh, J- and Jacobson. Nathan, Nathan Harris. Nathan Harris. Nathan Harris. Oh, as that's well. that. Luke Jacobson. That's who I mean. Reese Marshall's yeah. like. Didn't he, <laughs> yeah. He's playing yeah, somewhere he, else now. Yeah, he's um, he's almost Irish. Oh yeah, yeah good for him. He could be the Hadley Parks <laughs> of Ireland. <laughs> but um, not the Bendy yeah, so, I mean, Island. It's... <laughs> uh, exactly. Not. But um, but you know what I mean. So like, he's had some bad luck. But th- at the same time, like, this is kind of standard for the Chiefs because last year they had the same problem. I, re- I think. I mean, they um, lost McKenzie for the whole season last year. Yeah, they had no McKenzie. They had no Alamalo for most of last season as well. He was like concussed. Yeah. Um, they Naita they still well didn't have struggled. They didn't recruit him at that point. Yeah. Um, they lost Nata. They lost Messam. I mean, it wasn't injury, but like he was their kind of leader. Um, and it was before Bashir was really playing particularly well. Um, yeah, and like their 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 scrum half situation, like Weber wasn't even their first choice really until last year. Um, like he was kind of fighting out with Tahuri Rangi and um, Balo. So like there was a lot of fluctuation, but I don't know. Just so you know. We started Super Rugby 2020. The, I'm looking at the log now. The Chiefs were fifth on the log after seven rounds. They had a plus 66 points difference, which was, you know, the fourth, actually the third best in the competition. Um, they got in two bonus points, I think. Um, so, and like, they were kind of on the cusp of breaking into the, the, the top three. They did beat the Crusaders. Um, 
but they lost to the Hurricanes and they lost to the Chiefs. Oh, sorry, they are the Chiefs. They lost to the Brumbies. So, so and I'm like, there's no shame. There's no shame in losing to the Brumbies. Though. Like the Brumbies are are a good team, and they've got this. They've got the strength where the Chiefs are the weakness, which is the forward pack. Yeah. Well, but then suddenly, we'll get to that. suddenly we get to Aotearoa, and like they just look fucking awful. Like they, and I mean the Highlanders came back from like a 25 point deficit, I think it was, something like that, and. I mean, like, there was a point, I think it was after, like, the 70th minute or something, where it was just a sense of inevitability that mm. the Highlanders were going to win. Like, the Chiefs just looked out of the game. Um, I don't know. Uh, and, I, I mean, I can't pinpoint exactly... Well, actually, I can't point, I can't pinpoint mm. why the Highlanders won. Aaron Smith's a fucking god. Oh, Jesus. But... But, but just, I mean... Yeah, they just I, faded. I think... Um, and that's I know other, you highlighted on your Facebook post. And I think that's coaching like more a, than anything else, really. Could be, yeah. Phil, you saying? Yeah, like I think you highlighted. I think uh, Ross Gardner's sort of mm. bad impact from the bench, but it wasn't just him. If you look at the whole bench, who came on, like no one made a positive impact at all, and yeah. and they didn't bring on Aaron Cruden, who has the experience to maybe calm things down. It's a really yeah. weird one where you think like, surely he's the guy who can when things are falling apart, like you said, after 70 minutes, it looks like things are you know going down. Let's pull ourselves together and let's make sure that we can hold on to this lead. Instead, he yeah. leaves the young guy out there, Caleb Trask, and maybe he he was having a good game, so at, on some level you can understand it. But then at the same time, like these are the big decisions that need to be made. Mm. And maybe he thought, okay, we've got this game tied up. It makes more sense to give the young experience to learn how to close the game out. Yeah. But he obviously made a big decision, and that's what he's sort of paid to do at the end of the day. Hundred percent. Saying... Like I think for for me, for me, there are three there are three kind of turning points in this game. The one is like one minute in, Aiden Ross gets injured. You're bringing on Ruben O'Neill, he's fine, but he's he's not a world beater. Uh, number two, Sam Kane's yellow card at 30 minutes in. That for me felt like a sign of things to come. Like if Sam Kane wasn't gonna like because it was almost a team yellow card because the the Chiefs were just giving away penalty after penalty, and that goes back to what. You, you picked up or what I picked up on which you did pick up on which is Cotton giving away three penalties at the end of the game the fact that they had like in, at 30 minutes they got a yellow card for consecutive penalties and at 75 minutes they're still giving away penalties to lose the game like that just shows like a lack of self-awareness and then the third turning point is as you said Caleb Trask playing 80 minutes Caleb Trask had an okay game mm, he didn't have the kind of he didn't have the kind of game where anyone was sitting on their couches being like geez you can't take this guy off like you can't, like you just can't take him off at this point, which clearly wasn't or, the case with Aaron Or Smith. you should take this guy off. Yeah, he, no, he it was didn't fine, have either it, of it. No, it was fine, but but like Aaron Smith, like he was not coming off that field. Mm. And if he had, they wouldn't have won the game. And clearly, yeah, exactly. Clearly, Aaron, clearly Aaron Major recognized that and was like, "You fucking Aaron Smith, you're playing 80 minutes," and he probably knew it too. Caleb Trask was not having an Aaron Smith game. He, I'm looking at the stats. He he, he carried the ball seven times. He had like he had very little impact. Like, it was mm-hmm. fine, but, you know, nothing major. And I just cannot fathom, like, if we could sense it in the last 10 minutes, like, this is slipping away from the Chiefs, surely a coach of, of Warren Gatlin's experience can sense it. And surely that's where you're like, okay, like, even if it, even if he is playing well, something has to change on the field. Maybe you take off Nankerville, or well, I think he was already off for Tupaya, but, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe you take off, um, like, Wanui, and you shift to Pyre to the wing 
and you play Aaron Cruden at 12. Like, you just, you've got to get your most experienced player on the field. And, like, even if it's just a reset, it's like calling a timeout in basketball. You know, like, you can feel the, 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 the momentum changing. Like, you just got to call a timeout. Hmm. Even if you don't have anything to say or any strategy to change, just halt the momentum. And that's what the, the Highlanders had. Like, they had so much momentum going to that last 10 minutes with Shannon Frizzell just, like, nonstop bashing it up. Aaron Smith just super quick keeping them on the front foot. And then, and then you know, Ross Caldness, I don't want to, I mean, I hate lumping it all on him because it was a team effort, but, like, just constantly giving away the advantage. Yeah. I don't know. Just for me, there was, like, a, a complete, it almost seemed like Gatlin was frozen. Like what? I'd like I'd I'd love to have been a fly on the wall for those last mm. ten minutes. Like, I mean, what was he saying into the into the the um, walkie-talkie? Like, what did he do differently in those last ten minutes to try and affect the outcome? Because he didn't make any substitutions after the 67th minute, and it didn't seem to me like the the Chiefs did anything to stop the momentum of the Highlanders. So, was he just like us? Was he just sitting there watching it happen? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I if, if, if I had to put my money on it, I'd say, yeah, he just backed his young fly half, hoping that he'd learn from this and, like, win and be able to. But obviously that didn't happen. So I now he's like he kind of already committed this, like, realized this, this campaign's a failure. So he's just like, look, throwing yeah. on Aaron Smith, I mean, Aaron Cruden now is not going to help anyone there. So it's, let this guy learn. Maybe he can learn, pull something out of the fire. But, like, exactly. Yeah. But, like, it's weird. I mean, Oh, think, you know, like, but like, like I said, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think you necessarily help his confidence by leaving him out there. Take, like, like take it all. I mean, and I, you, you don't have to yank him off and be like, God, Caleb, you're so shit. We have to get Aaron Cruden to do a man's job. Yeah, you, know, you can leave them both on. Like I said, put, yeah. put, put Cruden at twelve. You know, and then have Cruden go, like, go to Trask and be like, Look, kid, we're in this together. You know, like, here's what we're gonna do. Don't worry. Like, you got this coach's backing you. Yeah. I sure. just like by not, like, by not putting Cruden on. I just think, like, if I was pretty much anyone other than Caleb Trask in the team at that point, I would have been, like, looking up at the coach's box, being like, God, we're just out here by ourselves, aren't we? Like, we're just left on our, left on our own. Like, we've just been abandoned by our, <laughs> our, gen- our general. That's yeah. what it seems like. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he was busy browsing Mauro Toja's Instagram or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's part of it's part of the the thing though like is he sort of distracted by the lines and is he even does he even have his full focus on the chiefs so i mean this is so he has to take full responsibility at the end of the day yeah mm. definitely was he meant to be um, coaching wakato in the uh, meter training cup or kind of was he meant to be signed off for the chiefs by now because the break wouldn't be finished yeah I don't, know. I don't think they do it that way yeah i, th- I think they I have think... separate coaches for the meter tank cup yeah so. Maybe that is the case. He was like, damn it, I'm meant to be on holiday already. Like, I was meant to be TikTok with my family. Like, what is this? <laughs> exactly. Oh, I forgot about his TikTok. Remember that? He had a holiday. He had a three-month holiday when he wasn't supposed to have one. Yeah. Jeez. Selfish. Come on. Okay. All right. I, I think we should move quickly, though. Yeah. Just based on time. Okay. Sorry, guys. Thanks, Phil. Um, all right. So let's let's quickly okay. talk about the other New Zealand game, and then we can breeze through the, the Australian ones. Um, Kane's beating the Blues 20, 29 points to 27 that was a bit of a cup come up and say in the Barrett great of... match yeah. it was a it was a phenomenal match it really like, was yeah I really enjoyed it I enjoyed it so much but I mean okay so I think it's pretty fair to say that Nani Lamapi was was the talk yeah. of the town yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean in five, in five minutes he 
went around Bird and Barrett and then he ran over Bird and Barrett. Went through so. Bird and Barrett. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, he, showed the, he showed the best of both. Yeah. I don't know if like the first time Burden was just expecting him to go through, so he was like so flat footed waiting for the impact and then it's like shit, he's just gone around me. Yeah. I would have loved it to see a third time where he like he chips over him. <laughs> and then does like a few like a few Aplon gather. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair to Burden, he did come back nicely with his own try. Yeah. He did, yeah. So I mean let's let's maybe have the chat that Adam and I kind of briefly had on the group. Um why has Burden Barrett been so shit? Because it's been six rounds and this for me felt like the first game where he actually stood up i, I and... think the first question you have to ask is has burden barrett been so shit okay so that's fair uh yes he has <laughs> yeah i mean from a from a tactical perspective <laughs> from a fantasy perspective he's obviously been bad he hasn't impacted much in terms no, of brand and tries so. uh, but I, I don't think i'm being blinded too much by that i mean that obviously that's is a fact but like i feel like he's a couple of times he's kicked he's kicked out on the full for example which is not something we ever used to see from him um like i feel like there have been mental lapses i mean we just talked about the fact that he let himself get caught off guard by nani lamapi who yeah. he should know if, if anyone knows how nani lamapi is gonna like perform in a situation it should be Bowden barrett yeah um like defensively and i don't think he's been the player that we've come to expect from him and may maybe while the blues were still winning that was like almost master over, but now yes. they've started losing. It's becoming a bit more apparent. But that's the I mean, thing. Like, so, like yeah, sorry, Ant, go, go for it. It feels like he's been under instruction to play quite a different game. Like you see, he's been kicking off his left foot a lot. It looks like he's, it, at least, yeah, it feels like he's been instructed to play a much more tactical, controlling game. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe there is an element of like, I'm not going to try and run and break the line every time. I'm going to work on these other things so I can be yeah. a more rounded player, potentially. But oh, as you yeah. say, and, and, and maybe with that comes more errors. You know, he is looking to kick a lot more, so maybe he's going to kick it out more. But mm -hmm. yes, he has been very underwhelming um, from what we expected. But as I said, potentially there's an element of, of deliberateness in that. Um, mm -hmm. Or maybe he's just like, fuck it, I can't be bothered. I'm not going to run into this line <laughs> and get tackled by him. I'm just going to kick it to the corner. <laughs> So I well, I think, I think it's the latter. I think it's the latter, personally. So, so I mean, you, you, think, you think that there's an aspect of, I, I just don't want to do it. Yeah, not I don't want to do it. I mean, like, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's like deliberately. So I mean, I was exaggerating. I don't think he's like kicking just because he doesn't really get tackled. Yeah. But I think his head's not in the game. I think he's, he's mentally. Look, I mean, we all go through phases with our, our work. I mean, rugby's a job like anything else. Yeah. Where you you aren't necessarily you don't have your eyes on the on the ball like you're just not focused, and you just kind of go day to day and like you do your job and like you go through the motions whatever but you aren't really motivated you like you don't take a lot of like sort of pleasure or meaning from it, and then normally after a while that'll clear and you, you'll get back into it again, um, and I think that definitely happens with sportsmen, mm -hmm. and I think Bowden Barrett historically has been one of the rare cases of people who just like don't seem to like switch off. Dip, yeah, he's always yeah he's never really had a dip like since he since he showed up on the scene he's been like unbelievably consistent um i think he's always been like purely professional and super focused and always in the zone but i mean the fact of the matter is he's been out of the rugby for what well, since the world cup um so that's like nine months right eight or nine months yeah um and he sat out the whole first half of the of the year he, he was on honeymoon he got married like he went off and lived his life for six months separate from rugby um, he then came back to a completely different team, so it wasn't even like he was, you know, going back to the familiar. Um, and he's now, as we've learned, got a foot in Japan. He's he's not even going to be around next year. So 
he's not really a big part of the blues plan and i think that under those circumstances it would be a bit difficult for them to be a big part of his plan so yeah. my feeling is that he's just he's just not he doesn't have his head in the game i don't think it's deliberate i don't think he's being selfish i just think he's mentally a bit out of it um and it, 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 I think part of that probably comes with the fact that he's playing fullback. So I acknowledge that he's a little, little bit out of position. I also think part of it comes with the fact that he's, um, I think, and you're right. I think he's been asked to play a different tactical game. But I think, I mean, just to respond to that point, like I don't think that's what we're observing because even then, you know, like you, you see performances where you say, "God, this guy's like, this guy's managed the game really well." You know, a fantastic, like a masterclass kicking performance from so and so. We directed the game really well. Yeah, we didn't see him breaking tackles, or whatever, but we 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 still see what he did contribute. And I feel that way about Terry Black. Like I feel like Terry Black's been driving the Blues really, really well. I've never until this weekend um, finished a Blues game and thought to myself, "Wow, Burden Barrett controlled that really well." Like he just seems there, like in between the like the Prince of you know the Caleb Clarks and the Mark Tillers and the sort of solid-headedness of someone like a Terry Black. And even like even Sam Knock before he was mysteriously dropped, it was noticeable. Like The positive impact he was having was noticeable. I've, I haven't noticed anything really positive out of Bowden. Like, and he hasn't I mean, been terrible. I just, he's just been, yeah, he's just been there. He's just there. Like, like, he's, like, like, physically, he's physically present and nothing more. Like It's just, I don't know. Yeah. That's I think that's fair. And I think I think that's I mean, also think... corroborated by the fact that he did well this weekend, when he had the most stake because there was a personal element to it, like him versus Jordy. And look, I mean, I don't think he like obviously he's very close and they like each other very much, you know, as brothers should. But um, <laughs> sorry, I, before <laughs> this afternoon I was watching I was watching the uh, Christopher Hitchens versus Peter Hitchens debate. So <laughs> that's <laughs> that's my that's currently my benchmark for brotherly relationships. Um, but you know, I think this weekend he did have motivation, something that he didn't have the previous weeks, and that's why we saw stepping up. Um, I don't know. That's just my, my take on the Bowden I mean, Barrett question. I, I think just slightly moving away from Bowden as the focus. The weirdest thing about the Blues is that they won their first three games, and then they had a bye, and then they've changed things up. Like like you say, they dropped Sam Nock, yeah. they dropped uh, what's his name, T.J. Fayani, and put Plummer at twelve. Mm. Like they've yeah, made these that changes that have affected the team. Like, yeah. they, they won three out of three, and then they made these changes. And yes, they had a good start against the Crusaders, and things were looking okay. But it, was, it almost felt like, you know, it's working. Don't change things up. Like, why why do some of this stuff? Yeah. Well, I think you've, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, Phil, because Harry Plummer, when he was introduced last week against the Crusaders, we were kind of fishing for, for reasons. We were like, God, why would you do this, you know? And we were, we were pretty generous. We were like, look, Harry Plummer's a 10. He's a, 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 an additional kicking option, which TJ Fiona is kind of isn't. Maybe he's there to mix up the tactical game play, right? Like maybe there's like another dimension to the attack. But I look at the stats for this weekend. So first of all, they didn't just do it against the Crusaders. They did it against the Hurricanes too, which doesn't make sense because I don't think you need to outthink the Hurricanes. I think you just need to out, outmuscle them in a way. Like... Because yeah. I think they, like they, guys like Nani Lamapi might be, in, and even um, like Dan Coles and Lomax and Ardy, and especially someone like Duplessis Karifi. I feel like if you just front up to them, like if you push them, they'll try to push you back. You know, they're, like they're quite reactive. Is my my perspective of the Hurricanes. Um, so if the if they thought that you know using someone more strategic like Plummer at twelve 
would get them an advantage. I think that's incorrect. But even assuming that I'm wrong about that, he only touched the ball once. I'm looking at it, it's like he carried once for one meter. Zero passes. Like, what's the point of having a second fly half on the field if he's not going to pass the ball over? Um, he kicked the ball. Let me find out how many times he kicked the ball. He kicked the ball zero times. So, like, what's the value of having a second fly half? You know, he's never going to see the ball. I mean, he, he can't be a defensive option. Surely not more than TJ Fayane. Um, so, in his defense, he actually tackled pretty well. He made eight out of ten tackles. But I can't imagine anyone would argue that um, TJ Fayane would have been worse on defense. Yeah. So, I don't I don't see the rationale. It, it's Again, like, there are reasons why you might want to pick Harry Plummer over TJ Fayane. But then you need your game plan needs to reflect that. And clearly, there's an incompatibility between what the Blues were doing and who they selected for the game. So yeah, I think you're right, Phil. It's unfair of us to be too harsh on on uh, on Bowden. But um, yeah, Any, anything I'm, else you guys wanted to talk about from this game? No, that's just that it was more entertaining. Full stop. Mm. Yeah. Very easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt like um, I've been pretty harsh on Duplessis Karifi previously. I thought he was pretty good. He didn't give away any pen any penalties. <laughs> well, I mean, he would be a much better player if he never gave away penalties. But <laughs> you know, his—it seems like his average is two or three a game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe uh, this was an outlier because it was zero, and he made ten tackles, which is yeah. Great. I mean, I think uh, someone like Leonard Brown was a bit better starting at thirteen. Um, but then he shifted to twelve when Tapia came on, and yeah, and he, he still doesn't. But he also, even though he was playing better, it still seems like he's not quite there where he needs to be. Like, maybe it's part of the team. Like, maybe he's trying to push himself too hard or maybe he's trying to fit into a system, but, like, something's not working there as well. He's not, like, playing to his full potential. Yeah, mm. uh, definitely. Anyway. But anyway. Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's um, Super Rugby Aotearoa, um, the reason we get up in the morning. Uh, the reason we go back to bed at 11 o'clock <laughs> in the morning is Super Rugby AU. Um, Friday saw the Reds beating the force 31 24 um i actually really enjoyed this i was gonna say so um part of the, that is why are the bed. force not as shit <laughs> as they bed. should be uh, okay hang on let's just first of all <laughs> we, we, we need to be clear about something yeah these are australian derbies yes 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 okay yes. let's not pretend like western force are suddenly beating like montpellier or saracens no. for the crusaders like Look, they, no, they've no, lost no, all the game so far uh, so I think you know, we just need to. But um, I, I think I think what matters saying is this is a team that got be. kicked out, and they've been playing against like random teams in the Pacific Ocean somewhere. Yeah. How are they even competing against I mean, teams they, like I, the Waratahs who've I been mean, playing against the Blues? Because the, well. the Waratahs like are sure. And I mean the Reds. I'm just joking. The, 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 I've actually I've actually I've enjoyed watching Western Force a lot more than I've enjoyed watching. Um, like the Waratahs and the Rebels, to be honest. Um, and actually, the, the quality of rugby, Super Rugby AU this week was head and shoulders above what it was last week. Um, so I, I, I know I'm, 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 heading on, I'm heading on the Australians to shift Twitter, but actually I, I'm enjoying the competition. Um, and it feels like it feels strength versus strength. Like all of these games have been super close. Um, Reds versus Force. I mean, the, the Western Force really shouldn't have had even a hope against these Reds. The Reds were really good in the in the main Super Rugby yeah. Uh, competition uh, in terms of their quality like they actually only won two games <laughs> looking at the standings um, <laughs> but like they've got a really good thing going like guys like harry wilson and tate mcdermott um 
I'm a big fan of of Felipe Dagunu, and I thought he had a really good game. Um, yeah. So yeah, but like I speaking of of, um, of fantasy, I had I had tossed a coin between the three um, Western Force outside backs. So Brad Lacey, Jack McGregor, I think, and Brian uh, Byron Ralston, and landed on Byron Ralston because he scored a try last week. He did not disappoint me. He scored two tries. <laughs> Uh, one of them was like an 80 meter intercept effort um, and made what three tackle breaks, two clean line breaks. So he was pretty good. Yeah. Um, it just feels like they're missing something at the force. I don't know. Cause they've got, they've got a really powerful back three, like Stowers, Stunder and Ferris. They like, they've, they've won every single battle so far. Like they totally out muscled the Waratahs. I thought they'd, they had the upper hand against McWright, Wright, and and uh, Wilson. So, yeah. I mean, I, I I only saw the highlights from this one, but it seemed like um, the scrum off who went off quite early. He's he's quite like their playmaker. They play a lot mm. of their nine, so that that sort of lost them a bit of direction. Yeah. Um, and John Lance, obviously, he's. He's all right. He's got a lot of experience, but he's he's not the guy who's gonna like control the game as much as some fly halves do. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, yeah, I do think losing Ian Pryor early was was pretty tough for them. Um, I don't know. I don't know much about uh, Jacob Abel as in, other than the fact that he's uh, Kane's uh, brother. <laughs> Kane, Kane's other brother, brother. No relation. Um, but yeah, like I. <laughs> I don't know. I I feel a bit um, bit of a traitor saying this, but I don't like Marcel Brachy in the centres. Oh, I was going to say the opposite. I feel like he's been quite good. <laughs> so this is here we go. Fight. No, this this is the problem, right? He looks good because he's he's a like he's an attacking player. So he made three clean line breaks, right? Best in the game. Um, but he also made four missed tackles. Okay, this, uh, I'll this, I, that. I feel so, in a way like he. I think he like he the Rico. Yeah, like, oh, do you want to hear Rico's tackle stats? <laughs> okay. Because I was I was bagging on, on Rico too and saying he was shit in defense. Rico made 17 tackles this weekend. Ah. And he only missed one. It's pretty impressive. Wow. wow. I, I, don't, I don't fully believe it, to be honest. I, I feel like there's um, a mistake okay, in your so... calculation there somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I, I know the, like, the okay. Blues as a team were, had to, like, defend most of the match, but still, that's impressive. Yeah. Well done, Rico. So, the, which brings me back to the anti-Rico, which is Marcel Brachy. Um And I think he, in many ways, like he personifies the force because he is flash, right? And he leaves you thinking, "Ah, oh, he played well." Like, like you said, Ant. Like, I'm not, I'm not calling you out. Like, a lot of people on Twitter were saying that, and people were saying, "Oh, the force are playing such good rugby," but they kept missing tackles. Like, their their midfield, Brachy missed four tackles. The fullback Jack McGregor missed three. Um, Jeremy Thrush missed four. Filetti Kaitu, the hooker, missed four. Like missing more than three to four tack, like three tackles, is pretty bad, if you ask me. Um, particularly if you're only making, you know, one. So I just think they're like they're what you call in RPGs um, a, a bit of a glass cannon. Like they're mm. all about attacking rugby, and they're, they're fantastic attacking rugby, mm. but they don't have like a matured, a well-rounded game. Like they they don't just seems like they don't want to get involved if they don't have the ball and like some of the tries that we've seen against them by the reds and uh the waratahs last week 
are just like really soft tries. Like it just seems like the force are like, fuck it, just let him score and we'll get the kickoff. <laughs> and then attack. I mean, yeah. not, and then attack not again. Not, I mean, that's, that's not, not to be expected from a team that hasn't played together, you know. It's a whole bunch, I mean, well, even a few I games think- ahead, their squad's fairly different to that. And so, like, getting a coherent defensive system is difficult without game time, you know. Like, mm-hmm. people are going to miss a lot of tackles. That's, that's natural. Like, attacking flair does come more naturally um, if you have it. But, like, get a good defensive system if you so out of rugby, then it's, you know, it's not yeah. surprising. So, I mean, that's, that's fair. I, look, I mean, I, I don't, so their, their squad is actually pretty consistent from the NRC, which they won. Um, but I, I do think that there's a valuable point about, like, maturity, because just having game time isn't the same as having isn't the same as like maturing as a team because if you're playing against Pacific Island teams um, who are probably also like very attacking minded then it's I think you just develop that culture and it takes you a while I would imagine to get back into like a bit more of a competitive like week to week leak like log standings kind of mentality um, and not just like a let's outscore the opposition mentality so I do think like the lack of game time in like a a top level competition has hurt them. Um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say like they're beyond redemption. It's just a, it's just my observation of, of what I think is yeah. some of the rough edges that you've seen. I mean, they've definitely yeah. exceeded expectations. So mm. maybe yeah. they'll maybe they'll surprise the Brumbies this week. Let's hope so. I hope so. That'd oh, be amazing. That'd, that'd be so good uh, to pick up a win. Speak, <laughs> speaking of the Brumbies, should we move on? So if you got somewhere to be, <laughs> no, I've just got to be like Adam. Phil's like just trying to sleep, uh, last slide into the Adam spot. <laughs> uh, I, it's last, last thought before we move on I won't accept rebuttals on this I think James O'Connor is having a hell of a season at 10 and I'd like to see him there for the Wallabies um, okay moving yep. over to Sydney um, 23 points to the Waratahs 24 points to the Brumbies um, quite a nail biter and I did not see the second half of this game so I missed the try, the game winning try which went to Isaac Fines mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah I don't know. Um, Bizarre. I, I don't have any feelings about this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, watched, I don't remember uh, watching it. <laughs> Matt, you go first. I watched it with. I was going to say I watched it with half an eye. It looked very okay. Australian from what I was picking up. It was like a very Australian that game. That bad, huh? Yeah. Well, it wasn't bad. It was so just for like, me, the... I'm sure someone else will be able to pull out a highlight, but I was just like, it felt very Australian watching it. To me, this match didn't make any sense because we always go on about how the Brumbies are have really good forwards and they've got a really strong set piece, but they were their scrum was absolutely mm-hmm. terrible. They lost like so many lineouts. I think um, Waratahs like stole more than half of their lineouts. Mm-hmm. So the Brumbies almost lost this game because of their forwards and because of their set piece. So it was really like the rest of their team that bailed them out, and. That's like what you would say the, the Brumbies' strength is. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, don't know. Getting, getting bullied by like Ned Hannigan yeah. is, a bit, is a bit embarrassing on international television. Was it? Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't know what's changed for them though, because I mean, I would say you know losing Rory Arnold because um, normally we, we put down a bad line out to the locks, but they, he's he's been out of the team for like a year now. Yeah, um, I mean and Swain and and Douglas were their starting locks when they were doing pretty well and Staniforth. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit weird because they were they were second on the overall log in Super Rugby. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they, they they lost four of their own scrums and they lost five of their own lineouts. So that's was... like and like just it was like a week ago where I was telling people on Twitter that uh, Alan Alalatoa was the best the best prop in Super Rugby, the best tight head prop in Super Rugby. How he goes and loses <laughs> sure. scrums. Like what do you mean? How can you say that with Tupo on the field for ninety minutes? Tupo is not a good tight head prop. No good. Fair. Uh, I I mean I I don't think we have time to get into the Aussie barometer thing but i think i would put tupo maybe above alito at the moment at the moment because he just lost three scrums against tom Ross. <laughs> but i'm i'm trying to remember did falau fainga try get this i know he scored a try wasn't there a disallowed try off what he's bread and butter off the back of a more no i think Falau Fahinga did yes he, did. he, he scored yeah, a try, he yeah. he definitely he? scored he may have had one disallowed I don't know if he had one to slide, but like, like there were two times where they were set up for the bread and butter and they crumbled, like the ruck was stopped. Yeah. yeah. So that might be what you're thinking of, Matt. There was, I know there was one that was uh, held up, but I think that was the one that was ultimately awarded. The one, guy who was, was the one guy who was really good for the Waratahs was the first time I've seen him play was the hooker. I think it's Horton. Yeah, um, he was he was actually like much better than, you Robbie know, like Abel. Abel, Abel's been this whole year. And yeah. he, he he didn't just score a try, but like obviously his lineout's really good, and then he, um, yeah, he just put himself out there, and he was part of that strong scrum presence, yeah. which actually pushed was, the Brumbies back. He, he was also just really busy, like he made 15 tackles, um, and I think he carried quite a lot. I mean, he got his try, so it was just really busy with ball in hand, which is what you want from a hooker, just work rate. So yeah, I mean, it's it is weird. I, I don't know if it's just cases like the Brumbies maybe having been figured out a little bit by other teams. Because like we do, I mean, we know when they're going to go for a really more. Like it's it's pretty easy. So then maybe they just took time to figure out how to stop one. But then saying yeah. that they st- they still won the match. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, but not for the reasons you'd expect. As you yeah, they, they should have won the game way easily. Let's be yeah. way more easily. Yeah. Like yeah. against a world class team like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, in a way, the if you think about like the James Ram try, which was like a quick kick off, not a quick kick off, like a quick tap, um, from yeah, a penalty. That was that was nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was cool. Like I mean, I like seeing that kind of stuff. But it was against yeah. the run of play, not against the run of play because they had the penalty. But you know what I mean? It was like a bit of a soft try. But it seems so, like the the Tars they have like such a disconnect at the moment between their exciting young players and their like normal core of what they do. Yeah. So they have Harrison and Ram and a few of these other young guys who are looking pretty exciting and doing good things. But then they have like the other older guys who are just doing their usual stuff. And there's like quite a big disconnect, and they need to really link those together to get the best out of all the players. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited by Will Harrison, though. I think he's he's quite a prospect. I don't think he's amazing, but I think he's he's good. He's still only 20, to be fair. Like, yeah, 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 sure. But like, yeah. I mean, people I mean, were like, if you start O'Connor now, then maybe you can build Harrison yeah, for the I'd future. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'd still start O'Connor over him. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, 100%. But Noah Lolo is also quite good. Yeah, yeah I hope he's not injured. He's in my draft team. Um, yeah. So, he looks like he did his hammy, unfortunately. Like yeah, he, that was quite early in the game, also. Yeah, and that's a, that's also a factor. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. yeah but also, a uh, last thought: good to see Tom Banks back. Uh, he didn't really do too much, but still, I like him. <laughs> okay. Um, chaps, I think that's us for the day. Uh, anything else you guys want to chip in on any of these games or any other thoughts you got percolating? No, Matt? I'm good. No, I'm good. You good? Yeah. Okay. Matt, are you good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just you only said it twice, so I wasn't sure. Let me just um, add another time. Phil? Yeah, I, 
I would just like to see some South African rugby. We're uh, having to be patient, but hopefully in the next month or so, we'll be able to see some teams on the field. We've just started training, but we'll see how it goes. Super Rugby Mzanzi. Yeah. Yeah, we so need to make that, that the name as well. Yeah. I'll, I'll chat to the people at Supersport who rejected our fantasy rugby idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Ant, any last thoughts? No, I'm good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Okay. Well, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you for joining us. Um, wherever you are listening, thank you. We appreciate it. Um, I hope you didn't mind us putting our cards in the tafel too much. And we look forward to uh, chatting again next week. Thank you and goodbye.